welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode number 265 for August 7th, 2015. On today's show, we're bragging. That's a first. We're usually, you know, we like to make fun of ourselves a lot. Frankly, that's kind of one of our favorite things to do, aside from woodworking. This would be the most difficult show I've ever done in my life. How can I say something good about myself? I don't know. Self-deprecation just comes naturally to to us, so I I don't (laughs) really know. Uh, This was inspired by an email from Chad. He says there have been uh, questions on what your weaknesses are. I guess we've talked about that in the past, um, maybe every show. I would love to hear a little bit of bragging. When it comes to woodworking, what are you guys best at? Or what do you like doing the most? Which, in my experience, is usually what I'm good at. So I actually had to sit and think about this because I, I generally consider myself more of a a jack of all trades. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at a lot of things in the mm-hmm. shop. I wouldn't I generally don't specialize in anything because specializing in something means I have to do it a lot, and that makes for a boring wood whisperer show. So I do I, I tend to not do that a lot, but I gave it some thought. I came up with a couple of things. So I assume you guys got a couple of things that you could say that you're you're pretty good at, you feel confident uh, in. Sure. I have one, one for certain. The other one I'm going to make up as we go. <laughs> okay. I've got, mm-hmm. I got two. Uh, all right. So I'll go first. Uh, finishing. I think that's a pretty obvious one. I answer a lot of finishing questions on the show. Finishing is just kind of something that I have found enjoyment in, um, because it's one of those things that lots of woodworkers absolutely hate. Uh, but it's something it takes a little bit of patience. It takes, frankly, it takes a little bit of chemistry knowledge. Um, maybe not a degree in chemistry, but you certainly have to understand what these finishes are doing, what the ingredients on the can mean, and how that translates to application in the shop. And I dig on that a little bit, um, considering my background. So uh, finishing just came naturally to me as something that uh, is worth the time it takes to do it right. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I've grown to enjoy that patience aspect that's required to get a good finish. Um, So, Matt, what about you? For me, this is sounds really, really ridiculous. At least it keeps sounding ridiculous in my head. But the one thing I'm really good at, and maybe it's because I am really bad at following directions, is when I make a mistake because I was not paying close enough attention to the dimension I was shooting for, I'm really good at actually being able to recoup from that and, and re-dimension everything like on the fly hmm. and actually have things uh, turn out. Uh, I'll give you a, a scenario with this. So uh, while making a walnut buffet several years ago that I featured on the show, um, I completely misjudged a uh, dimension, not by just like you know a quarter inch, like, uh, like a couple inches. And so that meant that all my next subsequent cuts would have to be based off of that. Um, and this wasn't a situation where I, I didn't have a lot of time. I was falling behind on this. So I was able to actually quickly think on my feet and be able to readjust things. Now, I know a lot of people who they're crippled at that point. They're done. They cannot you know, wrap their mind around redoing something. So to some degree, it's my making a mistake and being able to fudge that mistake to have it not be a mistake anymore. <laughs> you know, I was, That's I was going to mention something like that, but I'll lump mine in with yours. It's, it's basically being able to f- fix mistakes and recover from errors. Right. And right? it's amazing how when, when the first couple of times that you don't really understand how to do that and you go into that full freak out mode, it really does cripple you. There's no other way to describe it. But once you finally kind of just like, Oh, well I'll do this. It, 
the world of possibilities open up for you. Isn't that the same thing that prevents you or prevents some people, I should say, from wanting to use expensive woods, the fear of cutting the board for the first time? If you have, if you don't know how to recover from mistakes, you're probably terrified to cut into that, you know, $15 a board foot Bobinga, for instance. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's just how many times have we had that conversation? It's almost like, I feel like a hostage negotiator talking somebody off the ledge with that one. You know, (laughs) it's just like, (laughs) I see the same thing when it comes to like altering tools, like sharpening. I hear this a lot with saw sharpening. Well, I I don't want to mess up my good saw. You know, I'm going to go out and buy a beater and learn to sharpen it that way. And it's like five times, five times I'm pulling that number out of my butt. It's much, much harder to sharpen like an old beat up saw with uneven teeth than it is to learn to sharpen with one that's been sharpened properly, (laughs) you know, but no one wants to touch it. Or I hear, well, I'm going to go out and buy some junk chisels and learn to use my grinder that way. You know? Yeah. You just got to do it. You know, woodworking is mostly fixing mistakes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Shannon, what about you? Um, hand sawing. (laughs) I'm really good at hand sawing. And I really, because I was thinking about, um, who was it? Chad. It said it's the stuff that you usually enjoy doing. And I'm one of those weird people that just likes using a handsaw. I enjoy ripping. I enjoy cross cutting. There's something very, um, I don't know, caveman like, I guess, about it. <laughs> it speaks to me at a primal level. But what I've found is the more handsaw work I've done, the less work I have to do elsewhere. You know, when you can fit a joint right off the saw, when you can clean up you know, the end of a board at your shooting board with like two or three passes because you cut right to your line. Everything is so much easier. And I'm constantly telling my um, hand tool school people this, that it's, it's really all about hand sawing. And when you feel good and able to control a saw and cut at any angle and any compound angle, um, everything else becomes a lot easier. And I put a lot of effort into perfecting my sawing technique Mm -hmm. and it kind of liberates me elsewhere. Um, kind of like what Matt's saying. I mean, if you're not afraid to make a mistake, because I know that uh, I'm not making as many mistakes with a saw, but if I make one, I can just saw again to correct it. So, right, yeah. Right. Cool. I'm I will tell you that, that your hand sawing magic actually uh, almost, it made me happy this weekend because I've been, I picked up that miter saw. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, the more I think about it. And I think I even asked you about getting a miter box and you referenced mm-hmm. a video. And I believe somebody else recently referenced the, the video uh, on one of our e- emails. And I remember thinking, damn you, Shannon. Damn, you make that look so easy. Oh, I hate you for that. <laughs> I don't hate you, Shannon. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's good to know <laughs> that I've got, you know, at least 33% of the, the vote here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I hate you in that way that I want to cuddle with you. <laughs> oh, how nice. Um, all right. It's a good time for me to mention another one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think one thing that I've grown to to be pretty good at lately is uh, power carving and sculpting with rasps and just whatever tools, you know, even sanding tools, um, just taking a shape that's anything but straight and making it look pretty good. And, com- yes. you know, basically the, the, the skill set it takes to do the Maloof rocker. And, you know, I, and I'm just trying to coach people through this process in the guild and some folks are just having trouble and saying, oh, you just make it look so easy. And I, I'm actually, when I make a video, I try not to make it look easy. If I'm making it look easy, then I'm probably not giving you enough information. So doing my best to make sure you see all of those steps, but at the same time, realizing 
like, wow, this actually is easy for me. This is fun. I really enjoy this. And the whole sculptural process is something that I just really have taken to. So um, I would definitely put that in my list of, of things that I'm kind of qualified to, to be able to do. And that's yeah. totally how I am with sawing. And, and people ask me questions and it's, and I get that you make it look so easy. And when you struggle trying to break down what it is you're actually doing, yeah. because it just happens, you know, that, yeah, it's the same way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've watched you with power carving. What's that? I am not that way with power carving. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's something that, um, I watched years ago, watched David Marks do and thought the same thing. Like, man, he looks, he makes that look easy. And, and went to a private class with him. And that's one of the first times I got to, to talk with the guy was over this whole power carving thing. So since then, although not every project I do involves that part of the process, every time I, I do a little bit of power carving, I learn a little bit more, I get a little bit more comfortable with it. And I'm at the point now that it's like, man, what else, what else can I throw that into? I mean, I love, it's, it's very liberating, like you said, to have control over a process and know that you can kind of do just about anything you want with it. You know, I have a I have a Dremel, and it has one of those uh, little carving faces on it, or the carving tool. Mm-hmm. And when the couple of times that I've used it, I said, "Look, I'm Mark." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, now I have to know when you met David Marks, did you go, "Hi, you know, um, the tools I have, those are Marks too"? Uh, no, no, okay. I did not. I I actually went, oh, but uh, t- uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> something like that. Little, I've got legs. <laughs> I was a little starstruck at the time. <laughs> Would. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what about you? You got another one yet? Yep, I do have one, actually. Um, this one is, uh, I am actually really good at creating chamfers or roundovers freehand just using my block plane. In fact, this is so good. Um, I've been, when I've done some work for Samantha, I've made those uh, photography clipboards that she really likes, kind of the decorative ones. And she always wants like a chamfer or a roundover on it. I have actually had her once or twice come back and go, um, can you rough this up because whatever router bit you use, this is too smooth. And I, I hug her and I hold her and I kiss her and go, you're amazing. Thank you <laughs> for just boosting my ego in such a manner. Because And that's another one of those things that that, that not being afraid to fail. Um, the first few times I tried it, it, they turned out just hideous, especially the chamfers. They were all over the place. But it's amazing how with just a little bit of experience and just – practicing and playing around with it, uh, you're probably knocking those out uh, faster and nicer than you could do with a uh, router bit. And I know some people are like, no way in the world that's not possible. Uh, but I have actually had moments where I think by the time I set up the, the router bit and done everything else, I've already knocked out all of the chamfers that I needed and they look pretty darn good. Cool. That was probably one of the first things I started doing by hand because I was like, I don't want to put a chamfer bit in just to do this. <laughs> yes. You know, that's stupid. You know, I want to put a roundover in and you just grab that block plane and yeah, you're right. Like, Hey, I'm done. What happened? I that's had to do good. that today with, with the hamper and everything is getting a light chamfer. I'm going, you know, chamfers instead of roundovers on this piece and thought the same thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, let me just get the block plane. But then I was, I looked at just how many pieces I had to do. And this was <laughs> yeah, one time where that. I'm just like, well, okay, maybe I'll just do the, <laughs> I'll do the chamfer. <laughs> Cause chamfering bits are like my least used profile bits because most of the time I'd rather just grab the block plane and get it done that way. Right. Well, yeah, if there's if there's literally like hundreds, no, not even that, like tens of linear feet, maybe 20s of linear feet, then I'll start looking <laughs> at that chamfer router bit going, well, you could be my friend today. Yeah, yeah. there is a there is a breaking point there. Huh. Uh, Shannon, what about you? You got a second one? Yeah, um, I, I feel like I'm I have a really good understanding of wood. 
like the structure of it and how it works. And a lot of this is due to my day job. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time writing about wood and different species and things like that. And not so much identifying species, but identifying good species to work with based upon very technical things like, you know, hardness and stuff like that. Well, if I, I really like working with maple and using that to determine what another good wood would be, but combine that with the hand tool work, I've got a really good understanding of the structure of wood. And I found that, that it's helped me a lot. Like when I started carving, um, I got a long way to go to be what I would consider a mediocre carver, but I took to it very easily because I have a very good understanding of how wood, how a tree grows and the structure and the grain and reading the grain and knowing that if I skew it, this chisel slightly and I make a slicing cut, I'll get a clean cut here. If I, you know, rotate three degrees to the left, it's going to start to tear. Um, I found that that translates to the lathe as well, because all you're doing is cutting across the grain and understanding how it goes together as you move from larger diameter to lower diameter and altering the tool, the angle of attack slightly to read the grain. And of course, the same thing with hand planing. And it just, this was kind of a, <clears throat> a recent epiphany, if you will. It was just kind of like, hey, I know a lot about wood now. <laughs> and it, it really plays into just about everything you do. Um, if you understand not just I can read the grain and I know that the grain is running in this direction on the board, but why it changed directions and how it changed directions and how to tackle that one square inch because of how it changed directions because you understand the structure of wood um, goes a long way. I'm sure this is not an unusual thing for most woodworkers. Do enough woodworking and you kind of build that innate sense of wood structure. Yeah. It's a powerful thing, certainly. And I think you, you touched on it. Uh, you stated it really well. Anytime you're doing this sort of handwork, you, you have to know a little bit more about this or, or you suffer the consequences. Like uh, if you're using, focusing a little more on power tools, you, you do need to know a little bit about it, but the power tools don't care as much and you can get, right. you can get away with throwing any board through any particular thing for the most part. And you just don't have to worry about it. So in right. your situation, well, and, it's, it's you a know, huge asset. Right. I, I get a lot of a lot of people like, well, is this wood good for you know X uh, workbenches generally? Um, is is this wood going to work for this? And a lot of times, my initial reaction is, well, yeah. <laughs> and then I take a step back and I go, okay, I can understand where this question is coming from. And when you start to, um, what really did it for me was the first Windsor chair I built because Windsors are all about you use maple for the legs because it's really dense and hard and strong. You use an oak or some sort of ring porous wood for the bow because it steam bends really well. And actually, um, uh, Peter Galbert's book covers this expertly and the differences of wood and how it goes together and understanding that internal structure mm -hmm. to help you build stuff better. Um, wood is a wonderful thing. Don't be afraid of embracing its mysteries. Don't fear your wood. Yeah. No. Play with it yeah. often. I mean, whoa, hey, um, easy there. Whoa. Let's keep Take it, it clean. out and never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Stopping, stopping now. Yeah, please do. Uh, so, hey, you know what? If you guys have things that you think you're particularly good at and you want to do a little bragging, go ahead and leave a comment on this post. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment question? Do you need to chastise Shannon for going in a direction that he did not need mm -hmm. to go into Dead just a few Shannon. seconds ago? Shannon, this is, a, this is a family show. Why do you have to do that? Keep it clean, man. Oh, my Lord. 
but it was funny. So anyways, though, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com, or you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show show notes or downloads from today's shows or previous episodes, or to leave those comments, folks, we want to know what you're good at, you'll find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks Sounds for listening, good. everybody. And we will catch you next time. Happy Shannon. weekend.